Hello everybody, I'm Ewan Spence. Welcome once again to an episode of Room 404. Many, many years ago, you might have found this website through Gopher. You might have downloaded the file and then a dub of it off onto an 8-track. Those are items that have gone back into the past. Some people can remember them. Most people go, Gopher? It's, well, I, I don't understand. It's a small cartoon character thing. But that's the delight of Room 404. In here, I can reach out and touch every single piece of technology, every website, every strange idea that man and woman have attempted to forget and redirect their memory away from. But there are some people who hold these small things as tiny little treasures, and they would like to bring them back out again into the public conscience. In other words, moving them from Room 404 to Room 301 in a temporary journey back into sunlight. My guests will attempt to bring four things out, and of course, with the modern world being as it is, they like to get rid of some stuff as well. Joining me now, a man who's contributed many things to the digital world, most of them unsung, unseen, but given an uncannily, spookily 3D form. Welcome to Room 404, Yoz Graham. Hello, Yoz. Hello. Yes. Hello, Hello, Ewan. Expat living in San Francisco, do you miss anything from Britain? Um, yes, uh, I miss the constant drudgery and cynicism of the British populace. You know, frankly, the constant sunshine and... I'm sorry, I'm being too cynical myself now. Um, the... I, I miss... You know what I miss? I miss being able to go into a newsagent and get some chocolate that isn't just brown wax. You know, not having to pay premium money for, for for chocolate that has chocolate in it have you found that you've overcompensated your cynicism now you're in america very possibly i mean i've certainly overcompensated a lot of things um the accent for example i had a much more normal kind of estuary accent when uh, when um uh uh, when you moved you to know, America, when I moved to America, <laughs> and the trouble is, you know how you know how, I'm, I'm one of those people who's you know when I when I talk to to people with certain accents like Scottish or Australian, my accent actually starts drifting towards them, right? So so if I have a if I, if I have a you know a, a, a northern lilt to my speech by the end of this interview, please forgive me. Um, but but with Americans, it actually goes the other way. I, I t- start. I, I meet Americans, and suddenly, hello. I'm I'm doing a very bad Hugh Grant accent, or or this kind of. I'm terribly sorry. Hello, and I've I've realised it's a kind of survival trait, because because um, if you talk like that to Americans, they instantly add like fifty IQ points to their estimation of you. <laughs> that's right. That's an evil and, trick. Paul Carr's been teaching you that one, hasn't he? Right. It, it's great. It's great. If you ever need anything done in bureaucracy, if you ever need to deal with, especially like like customs, immigration people, it's the best. Right. And so we've got you back here. Now, some of the stuff that you've got on this list is distinctly British, I have to say. Uh, but that's okay. We'll come to that. Um, but you know, the question is, what makes you a geek? And you really are. Let, let, let's face it here. You are a geek's geek. If you look down this list, you, you're you're working at Second Life. You were there at Ning when it was free. You've you've worked with Douglas Adams. You've done secret forums that nobody's ever discovered in the bowels of the keel of a starship. And you've contributed one prop to the IT crowd. It's yes. Um, 
and that's and that's probably just the half of it. I mean, the trouble is that that I have a horrifically disorganised memory, which is you know clearly. W- w- I think part of going on this show is to help me help me recover the bits of it, so, so that I can say random things like like oh, I I was there when when recording things with Stephen Fry or or what. I have actually one of the things I have recorded two at least two separate no not recorded, uh, written at least two separate things for recording by Stephen Fry, uh, which makes me think that I should have some kind of Unix script, you know, TXT to Fry, kind of, you know, it's something you pipe any text into and it comes out in the voice of Stephen Fry. Um, but, uh, but having met him a grand total of once, that probably doesn't really amount for much. Um, but yeah, I, I've, I've, done, I've done lots of things. I, I, am, uh, I, I kind of... Um, I, I prefer to think of myself as geeky rather than nerdy, but I, I realise that 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 is is such a fine point that that the protestations um, just make me look worse from every angle. Good, right then. So let's go for the first thing. Uh, rules are pretty simple. You're going to nominate something. You're going to tell me why it should come out of room four hundred four. We're going to have a chat, and I am going to decide. Simple as that. So what, let's start with what would you like to take out of the room for your first item. Well, for my first item, I have uh, something, possibly the only thing that, that other than having a, a graphic designer and artist for a mother, uh, made me ever think I had any kind of artistic or visual design capability. And that is Deluxe Paint 4 on the Amiga. Why? So, well, this is... You, you know, what we have these days, if you want to do any kind of graphic design, the, the, the standard go-to thing is Photoshop. And Photoshop is horrible. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. Photoshop is, 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 I'm sure, amazing and wonderful if you are um, a graphic designer by trade or an illustrator. If you do this thing for a living, if you if you spend more than than two hours a day using Photoshop, then I'm sure it's completely wonderful. Because, I mean, possibly because it's actually good at its job, possibly because of Stockholm syndrome. Who knows? Um, but for things that you just want to pick up and play with, and 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 to me, you know. And a, and a lot of the things that, that, that intrigue me in, in my career, playfulness um, and things that encourage exploratory play and creative play are huge deals. Uh, Deluxe Paint 4 is massive because Deluxe Paint 4, all, all the versions of Deluxe Paint actually, I mean I started with Deluxe Paint 1 when I got, I got my Amiga 500 back in uh, 1990. 19, sorry, 1990, 1987, 1988, something like that. And um, and it came with a copy of Deluxe Paint One, you know, with King Tut on the cover and all that stuff, and and it had all these usual kind of, you know, various kind of drawing tools and filling tools and all the kind of stuff. But the thing that made Deluxe Paint magical, and this was the thing whenever you were giving demos of it, was there was this uh, clone, not clone, but like rectangle selection tool, right? And the default mode for it was that you would select an area of the screen using either, you know, rectangle or it might have had a lasso tool at some point or some other shape. But you'd select a point of uh, an area of, of, of the, the bitmap you're working on. And suddenly that area would be floating underneath your mouse pointer, right? And it would be a brush. It would literally be a brush. And you could start dragging that thing around the screen. And it would leave a trail of itself all over whatever you were drawing. Um, and so the great trick would be, you know how you know how you do the thing at school where where you take like five different color felt tip pens and you'd rubber band them together in a straight line and then you'd draw with them and suddenly you'd write your name and it would be in like five colored lines all on top of each other, right? Well, it was really easy to do that in deluxe paint. It was so satisfying if you were a fourteen year old. 
Um, and so there were, it, it, it's that kind of thing. And it was, so one of the things that I first did were looking at Photoshop was like, how do I do that? I don't know. I can't work it out. There's a whole load of things. This is eyedropper. What the hell is this eyedropper for? What, what, what's this dodge and burn? I mean, those sound very fun, but what the hell is this? Um, and, and I realized that a lot of, of my wistfulness, like so much nostalgia, is, is not for the thing itself, but for, but for the way it made me feel at the time or the mode I was in. I mean, it, but, but at least I felt brave with it. You know, I felt like it was not beyond me. I felt like I could actually take steps with it and do interesting things that made me sit back and go, wow, that's really cool. Whereas with Photoshop, I just want to weep. You know, I really like this as, as something to come out, uh, not because I've got huge amounts of experience uh, with it, but because it, it strikes the exact same code as I had with PaintShop Pro. Uh, and for anybody who's seen my working practice, I still use PaintShop Pro 3, which I got as a free demo on a UK wow. online software CD. Um, and it's basically, it's because it's an advanced bitmap editor. It has, okay, right. has the occasional effect, but it does spot graphics wonderfully it's it's yep. low yield it doesn't take up a lot of impact uh, on the memory it works and the fact is whenever i switch it on now it goes you're now on day three million five hundred sixty four thousand of your 30-day trial would you like to continue <laughs> <laughs> and it's so satisfying seeing that time add up isn't it yeah it's like oh well, why would i register now look how high i've got the pointer you just don't reset a pointer like that do you no no so and again because of the nostalgia thing you know there's, there's no way I could keep that sort of nostalgia down. Deluxe Pain is quite clearly on a rocket train straight out of 404. Yay. Yeah, you got, Thank you're, you. Quite, you're, you're quite happy now, aren't you? I am. I'm, I'm glad I've got, you know, I, I'm, I'm so far, I'm, I'm, as they say in America, I'm batting one for one. Indeed, you know? yes. Baseball statistics, now that is something that's really weird. Yeah, oh God. I love, mind you, I love it though. I love it. I mean, this is the thing. Talking of nostalgia, this is one of the things, my favorite bits of Americana, um, is, is, is baseball. Much more than any other American sport. Um, because it is literally, um, the most romantic of all the sports. I mean, in, in the literal definition of romantic, you know, it's just got, it, it's got all the classic Americana. It's all the 1920s. It's, it's, you know, all the people with their caps and their big baggy trousers. And, and, and I finally went, so forgive me for, for going off on one here, but this is a program about nostalgia. I finally went to, um, and you have the editing controls as well, which are very important. Um, I finally went to a baseball game. Uh, last year um, with, a, with a friend of mine who, who was American but also had very little experience with baseball other than, than ambient, uh, you know, ambient uh, osmosis of, of, the cultural, um, of the cultural norms. And, and we sat in the, in the crowd at an Oakland A's against the New York Yankees uh, game. Um, and, you know, we may not know much about baseball, but if we know anything, it's that we do not support the Yankees. It's like supporting, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like supporting Man U. You know, it, it's like it, nobody can possibly take you seriously if you support the Yankees. Yeah. Um, I, I know exactly and, how you feel because I, I, I've, I've finally got it on cable over here in the UK. So it's like, finally watch it. And I was pretty ambivalent to every single team. It's just, oh, that's nice, that's nice. And then last year, Derek Jeter pretended mm-hmm. that the ball had hit his bat when it had hit his hand. Oh. And 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 he and he Derek Jeter of course is a player for the Yankees by the way, uh, and he yes. walked up to first base and basically he won the game because he didn't have the honour of going. It actually did hit my hand. I should have been struck. 
or, Good or however. God. But basically, he was reveling in the fact that he cheated the umpire. And at that point, I went, you know what? I don't like you as a player. Uh, and then yep. I discovered that it's Derek Jeter who's the lead man for the Yankees. And it's like, yep. you know, you know, that's it. It doesn't matter that. And I think at the same time, somebody had said, you know, you know, choose anybody you'd like out of baseball. And, and I ended up choosing Josh Hamilton, of all people, just because, you know, it was a nice name and he'd been through a rough road and all of a sudden he becomes a star player. And I'm just like, yeah, like Josh Hamilton. Nice. Don't like Jeter and Buster Posey in San Francisco. You even have the name of an American precocious star. It, you're right. Right. Yes, I mean, exactly. What, what, and... what else is he going to do apart from appear in a 1930s B-movie serial? <laughs> it's like such a great name isn't it it is right. such a great name we, we're going I mean, to move on to... now we're going to move on because okay. <laughs> because much as it we're, we're not doing baseball 404 oh that would be quite interesting um yeah, sorry. Go on. right item number two right so this is um uh this is one of the ones i think out of all the ones on this list this is the one that i am kind of angriest slash most passionate about this is the one that i actually want back for the most practical reasons not just for me but for the industry as a whole um uh and this is uh a an online uh service slash site slash software as a service whatever called jotspot or jot a jot with one t not two t's which is a bizarre online note voice recording thing no um jotspot was an amazing uh service that looked like a wiki at first glance um but act underneath it was actually an incredibly powerful um open application server web application server and it was killed in the worst way imaginable these days i mean you know there's going bankrupt there's uh uh, founders moving on to other things, but then there's the utter hell, the 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 utterly irrevocable, just just deathly grip of being bought by Google, right? <laughs> it happened to Dodgeball, it happened to Jaiku, it's now happened to Jotspot, and when it happens, it's just toast. Anything good is gone, right? Um, and and this is what happened to Jotspot. Jotspot eventually resurfaced. Uh, 18 months later, as Google Sites, um, which was a kind of utterly lobotomized version, um, had none of the stuff that actually made Jotspot any good. What made Jotspot fantastic was that um, as it wasn't just a wiki. It was a wiki that also was kind of like a database, but you could um, write new, entirely new applications in it. So you could do things, but they, they'd written a bunch of example applications. So they had a bug tracker, they had a knowledge base, they had a CRM system, blah, 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 blah. All, all the usual kind of stuff, but you could just clone it and tweak it and make it your own. And, and cloning is one of those things that uh, I've given talks about, this, uh, cloning software, and now finally, the, you know, uh, well, not finally the world's catching up i can't quite claim that but um you know it, it's one of the things that, that drove me to ning um was was their ability to let people clone and tweak software and jotspot had that but jotspot made it so easy to um just create a new little database from scratch and given that most much of my work at linden lab has been in the field of internal tools and about knocking very quick internal very quick basic internal web-based tools up from scratch jotspot would have made it so easy and i spent you know a good year at linden <clears throat> um 
you know, telling people about Jotspot, waiting for Google to open it up again, saying it's going to be great. You just watch. When Jotspot comes back, it's going to be fantastic. And then they eventually opened it up as Google Sites, and I spent the next six months swearing very loudly. Um, there is nothing on the market that right now that can remotely touch it, and believe me, I've looked. Um, if they had actually kept up with it and given it a proper Web 2.0, you know, lick of paint, then it would be entirely eating uh, 37 signals lunch for breakfast or whatever you want to call it, however they say it here, dropping it in their mental goldfish bowl and seeing it blow bubbles. I don't know. But it's, um, you know, it, it's that it, it's the kind of horrific wasted opportunity. It's not like it was it, of its time and just, you know, it, it died through neglect. It was too successful. Google ate it and then killed it. Yeah. And so I'm very, very angry. Now, here's the thing. I actually think that this should stay in. Not because I'm evil and vindictive, uh, but although many people would say that I'm evil and vindictive, it's because it leaves a very nice gap in the market. Uh, and, and I think, okay, nothing's come along yet, but a little bit of cheerleading and stuff like that could come along. And also, I, I want to I pick up on one other example, which is the example of Dodgeball. Yes, d- lots of people love Dodgeball with a passion. Yes, it went into Google. Yes, it got kind of turned and spun and squelched and whatever and, and, and spat out again. And, and then at the air and out, the people who knew, who'd been through, you know, Dennis and the, the rest of the lot, went off and did it again. And they did Foursquare, and they did it better than Dodgeball. They took what they'd learned. They, they'd always mostest back out of Google. And, well, you know, when does Jotspot's earnout finish? Yeah. I mean, was it, was it, was Foursquare the same people as Dodgeball? I can't, yes. I should know this. I live yeah. in, the, in the sodding industry. Yeah. Um, Crowley. Right. Oh, okay. Not, All right. not All right. Alistair Crowley. That's, that's a different kind of person you can do with yes. the okay. Computer. Fair so, enough. There we go. So, yes. I'll, I'm going to leave. Leave it in there purely because I think that the Jotspot guys, once they've done their earn out, will come back out and do Jot Square. Well, I <laughs> Jot Square, Jot Square, okay. yes, Jot Square. Can yeah, Jotspot stays in. Yeah. All right. All right. I mean, that's true. It does at least. You know, it has given me entertaining thoughts. The whole fantasies about how if I were to redo it, I'd do it this way, and I'd do it on on I don't know. Just no JS running on CouchDB with yet another utterly immature but in, but nonetheless incredibly tempting new piece of technology. Um, all right, all right, you you win this time, Spence. <laughs> um, we're back to 1920s serials with Buster Posey, aren't we? Uh, yeah, right, I think then. that's a good running thing. <laughs> yeah. Item number three. Oh, right. Oh, 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 I can hear you dribbling already. I'm not. Well, you even see, if I did dribble, this would still work. Well, this is the thing. I mean, I was thinking, I've got, you know, so there are a couple of reasons for this being in. The first one is that I was discussing it with colleagues only a week ago and thinking about it and thinking about it as a perfect example of a technology that um, that disappeared not to, to be to to come back. And the second thing is because it's you and I know I've got to get one past you. And so <laughs> this is the Scion 5's keyboard. Now, yeah, this for, is for a everybody leg- else, the Scion 5 is, quite frankly, ahead of its time and still is. Right. Right. And um, I didn't. So, so this came up because I, I never owned a Scion 5. I never owned a Scion of, of any kind. I'm so sorry, you. And I, I, um, I, I, I realize your, your passion for these things. And, and, you know, it is one of the great British, you know, um, technology stories of the 80s and 90s Scion uh, and, and what it became. Um, and I, I'm not going to go there. It's it's still too it's too soon, um, but 
it's the the uh, the keyboard was just one of these um, astonishing feats of engineering when you um, when you opened up the Scion Five and you saw this completely normal typeable keyboard inside in a thing that was you know barely bigger than a couple of decks of playing cards um and how does how does this fit why is this you know it, it's completely tardis like and it's not even using a trick like the old um you know the old uh ibm thinkpad butterfly keyboard that folded out do you remember those um and uh this is just a completely contained thing. Now it was uh it came up in conversation um at Linden Lab. We have one of our new heads of engineering uh was at Scion in the in the software department in the mid nineties. And he or in early nineties or whenever it was the Scion five came out and he remember he remembers working on the software for it and also the engineering. And apparently um the the uh, quantity of engineering that went into that thing. I mean, it was basically one guy. If he if he, t- I mean, you can correct. I'm sure you know much more about this than I do. But it sounds like it was basically one guy who did all the hardware engineering on it and came up with this incredibly complex cantilevered system and and the whole weight distribution, uh, which was a key part of it. Um, and then Scion uh, patented it, and nothing's been seen of it since. Pretty much a story, yes. I mean, Cyan had won design awards for both the Series 3 and the Series 5 range of PDAs. Um, the design house is, is legendary. I mean, leaving Cyan in 92 before, admittedly before this, but there was a certain designer called Jonathan Ive, whose I, I, oh, I yes. standards went on to bigger and better things. But that same sort of willingness to design was still there at Cyan. I mean, the keyboard was full size. It was 90% keyboard. The keys went right to the edge of the next keys. They all moved on their own. It was, and when you look at the engineering, it was physical plastic keys, a sheet of rubber, and a contact pan underneath. I mean, the technology wasn't that different compared to something like the HP two hundred LX, for right, example. Right, and and yes, it's like they went. This is how much space you have for the keyboard. Please use every millimeter, and they did. Now. Here's the thing, okay? Obviously, you put this one in thinking, let's do something Scion to get that out past Ewan. <laughs> I'm so transparent. <laughs> it is, yeah. And, and sometimes I like transparency. But that Series 5 keyboard, the pattern is actually still held by Scion. Amazingly, I know this sort of stuff. Uh, which means oh. that, you know, there are always been hints of... Of, of Scion coming back. Everybody's kind of holding it out as a white horse or something. And the problem is, yeah. you know, that keyboard was part of a huge holistic design. You know, that that was yep. coupled with an operating system that wrote a word processor in 11K. Oh, wow. Now, just, just, okay, there's a lot of code reuse. You know, there's a lot of cycling yep. around stuff. But just for, just for a minute, anybody out there who's a programmer, a word processor that could embed objects, 11 wow. Okay. That, that, that is a fifth of an empty Microsoft Word file. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, so, and then, okay, the screen was a bit of a letdown, but you were talking 25 hours of running time on two AA batteries. Seriously? That's yeah. just, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, people complained about the Series 5 because the Series 3 could manage 40 hours. <laughs> you get 25 hours of running time off anything these days people think you're, you're you're using advanced magic yeah so here's the thing if the keyboard was to come out where would it go i mean right. what, you're going to put it on the underneath a droid x really right really 
No. Yeah. I mean, you're going to pair up with something from Windows Phone 7. I'm sure Microsoft and Nokia would love that. But, but uh. really? No, I mean, if you were to bring that keyboard out, you would have to bring out everything. And you'd have to update everything. Yeah, you know? and yep. even you know, and even though you'd have to use Android as your stock, I would just assume you'd have to put stuff on top of it. That is a huge well, challenge. Something. I mean, there was a thing. There was a thing that um, uh, I was uh, enthusing about over the blogosphere with with Matt Webb of, of British Design Mavens Berg, um, natives of, of of London's fashionable Silicon Roundabout. God, I'm talking like a magazine at the moment. Um, uh, many years ago, which was the idea of wouldn't it be lovely if we had just a simple device and a gorgeous keyboard and and just an eighty by twenty five text screen, you know, classic VT one hundred, right? And because if you're a real hardcore geek, I mean more hardcore than me by by miles, then all you need is is like S is a Unix shell, right? Yeah. As long as you can SSH to somewhere, you're fine. And and thinking of it as a kind of uh, in the same way that traveling samurai were recognizable by their swords, um, this would be a kind of traveling uber geek device that that you can go somewhere and help, uh, you know, bandit plagued villagers. Um, you just step in there with your little terminal of wonder that can, you know, instead of packing it with all kinds of graphical goodness, pack it with something, with stuff to make sure that it can get a connection anywhere. Or, um, or, or you know, that's that's very nice if, if, if Carradine was doing the American version of the IT crowd. Um, right, exactly. Kung Fu 2.0, I can see. But the problem is every single Brit would just walk into a village and go, have you tried turning it off and on again? <laughs> Graham, the check's in the post. <laughs> so, so, you know, wonderful ideas, great vision, but I don't think I can let the keyboard out on its own because damage. it would just damage everything else it attaches to. It would, need to be, yeah. it would need to be an effort that brings out absolutely everything, and it would probably need to be British again, and that would require the British tech it's scene true. to do up. And it's true. I, I can only admire your, your steadfast hold to, to, to purity, to design purity on this one. Yeah, um, thank you very much. <laughs> Cry when you're talking about the <laughs> <laughs> I love you, and I really do. No, you don't understand, man. <laughs> Lewis, Lewis. Uh, right then. Okay. Right. You, you, you're one for three. All right. Yeah. <laughs> really. Right, right now, you're CC Sabathia. Carry on with number four. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, I'm I'm a, a, a music library. Geek. I, would, I wouldn't say I'm a music geek. I wouldn't say anything of those. But one of the things I am is you know oh, I've there's had an this easy way to test. Co- there's an easy way to test that actually. Oh God. Name two Mike Goldfield albums. Oh, that's easy. Uh, tubular, well, if we group all the Tubular Bell sequels um, into one, there's one. Um, and uh, Crises. That's, that's probably a 7 out of 10 on the geek scales, then, for, for music. And what was the one that... Because I was remembering... Because I heard um, an awful Euro dance cover of To France the other day. Okay, you, you know, you, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm not quite a music geek, but you're talking about obscure Eurovision French remixes of Mike Oldfield albums. Yeah. Yeah, stop now. F- item four. <laughs> <laughs> Do I win? <laughs> no, not yet. No, you didn't say Amarok. 
Oh, oh bollocks! All right, fair enough. No, I, I have to confess, I have not, I, I have not revisited my Mike Oldfield phrase. Although I did, bizarrely, I had sections of of tubular bells, which I had not listened to in over ten years, come to me in a dream the other night, which was, frankly, a little disconcerting. Um, but so, so one of those, you know, kleptomaniacs when it comes to to, to MP3 collections, and. Uh, I just want, you know, just grab it, grab it, grab it, just whatever. And and so it used to be that, that one of the things that you really want, especially if you've got the you know, massive, massive musical memory, is is when you think of a tune or either think of a tune or discover some rarity, read about some rare remix that you've never heard. Um, the thing that the internet has always promised us is the shortest possible time between thinking of a tune and having and hearing it, uh, right? And listening to it in its entirety. And if you're an MP3 collector, then you don't want to just listen to it in its entirety. You want to have that damn file on your desktop, right? You want that actual MP3 file with a .mp3 suffix or, you know, .org or .flac. Yeah. Fine. Um, not, not bloody DRM nonsense. Um, and the thing that did this better than anything else before or since... Um, was an online service called Audio Galaxy. And Audio Galaxy was um, another victim of its own success, but in the more traditional way, which was it was popular, um, it was a popular method of music piracy, and it was centralized, which meant that it was just not long for this world. Um, But when it existed, it was magical. It was was one of those... um, real kind of as obviously clark would put it you know a sufficiently advanced technology yeah i mean i mean napster tra- trailblazed the way but it was never that good yeah. at getting anything that was outside the mainstream audio galaxy was the sort of thing that you would use and you could put in something like the 60s mix and get that record by stylish records which was just four tracks long of all the songs from the 60s rather than getting a whole bundle of obscure dj references right right and, exactly. and the other thing about Audio Galaxy was it was quite nice, you know, and it was fast. I mean, for its time, you have to remember, this is, what, 96, 97? A bit later than that. It was, um, I think, I seem to replace it, because I'm, I'm trying to think, where was I living at the time? Uh, I placed it around 2002, 2001, uh, So, I mean, that, that must have been the tail end, because I can remember it at Edinburgh University when, when I was there. Okay. Which, which, oh, okay. Which, we're in that sort of time zone. Apart from if you were at university... You know, which if you're lucky, you got a you know a 60k line. You know, you're on 56k bit home modems still. Yeah, but it is worked at that speed. Mm. And you know, and yeah, yeah. The fact that it was magical and it did just work. Now, here's if the record companies could have worked out how to take 20p off you for each track. Yeah, they would yeah. not be in the situation they're in now. Seriously, it would. I mean, it would have set the <clears throat> guidelines. For everything going forward in media, it would have been this wonderful world where people would get paid for the work they do. And obscure artists would get the 20p. It wouldn't just go into a bin marked PRS. Completely. You know, completely. It's, it's tragic. I mean, there was, I mean, just to explain some of the joy of it to those who never used it. Um, one of the wonderful things that, that has, you know, very few apps before or since have really managed um, was that, it took care – it just presented you with the actual files that you wanted. It did a whole load of smarts in terms of working out who was the artist. It, it, it scanned all your tunes when 
of all those people it shared. And it worked out who's the artist and what's the song. And then it provided everything in this gorgeous web interface. The actual native client was a remarkably thin thing that only took care of sharing your library and of downloading the files you wanted. Everything else was done through the web interface. But the, one of the best things was that you didn't have the same mucking about that you had with Napster, which was trying to find, you know, uh, you know you'd search uh, for a track and you'd get 50 instances of it, each one on a different computer. And you'd down, try and download one and it would be some guy on incredibly slow, slow connection who disappeared halfway through. And you'd try another one, etc. It worked out where to download it from for you. If somebody cancelled in the middle, it would just pick up from somewhere else. It just worked it all out. You didn't have to choose a source. It was, you a, just dr- said, it was a dragnet yeah. application. Yeah, exactly. Just Very well fu- put. Just the file map. Just the file. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I remember when Audio Galaxy got switched off. I remember going in one day and it just going, no, it's not going to happen. And I was, I I can remember not being incredibly disappointed because everybody kind of knew it was on borrowed time and was kind of stockpiling. (laughs) It was like the days before the Cuban Missile Crisis. Everybody is downloading Rolling Stone rarities. Come on, come on, (laughs) come on, come on. I need that fifth version of Painted Black. Come on, come on. Did you get it? Completely. I didn't get it, man. No. And it's like when eMusic went from... I I was on eMusic when uh, they they had their all-you-can-eat plan, um, which is when they started... And you could download as much of their library as you wanted per month. Uh, and then they said, oh, no, we're switching to a limited amount in a month's time. And for the next month, eMusic was basically unreachable. Yeah. You know, everybody was trying to vacuum up the entire site in one go. You know, I think Ideal Galaxy should come back out. I, Thank I, you. I th- yes. I think the problem, is, of course, it would have huge legal risks. You know, yeah, there is that. And, you know, it's a tough one. See, I would like it out. And I think I'm going to bring it out, knowing, of course, that it's not going to be good as it was before. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not going to be connected. But in the hope that the record companies would would take a look at it again and go, look, yeah, we know you're stuck in this stranglehold of Apple with Amazon kind of as your backup card. Mm-hmm. Have another think again of what you've you've let slip, you know. Yeah. Okay, the chances are it would fall flat on its face again. But yeah. it might actually end up as a whatever happened to the likely lads. Right. No, right. Really, we've got obscure baseball references and James Bowen <laughs> in the same show. We've satisfied everybody and everybody <laughs> has to look up something. There we go. Yes. Yes, so we'll take that. Audio yeah. Galaxy, ding, that Thank gets to you. come out. I mean, I'm thinking I'm ting. I've got a bell here that does that for me. I don't know why I'm doing it. There we go. Right then. Because you've got to put something in now. Or at least you've got oh, to yes. attempt to put something in. We need to kind of karmically balance room 404. Otherwise, you know, you know, Otherwise, I have to use a tin client next week to get my email, and I do oh, not want that. Yeah. Um, well, this one is actually – it's not a specific technology. It is a technology concept – not even a technology concept. It's a service concept that we've seen all over. And oh, how can I put this? It is respons- – in the same way that the Babelfish is responsible for more and bloodier wars than any other creation in the history of the, of, of, of the universe, um, this is responsible for more strife and more relationship misunderstanding and angst than any other concept I've ever seen. Oh, dear, said Facebook. I hadn't thought of that one and promptly disappeared up its own. <laughs> right, what is it you're putting yes. This is the concept of friending. Now, this sounds now like a Ricky Gervais movie. It's really... I th- oh, I'm, I'm quite proud. Thank you very much. Yeah, I, I mean, I, 
The, the, the art you, of lying. Oh, the concept, oh, I see what you yeah, mean. Yeah, yeah. The I, art I, of um, lying, part two. Yes. The concept of friending, starring Ricky Gervais. The concept of friending in which he turns out to be God or something. They, they, that turned out to be a much deeper movie than I was expecting. Anyway. It was the, quite the, surprising, wasn't it? It's just like, it I is. <laughs> it was, I was quite glad he took it where he took it. You know, you know. Right, right at the end, it's like, this is turning into a Christ allegory. I hope they don't do that in Tron Legacy. <laughs> Or in the Matrix Revolutions, for that matter. Oh, um, right. Anyway, the concept of anyway, friending, not the script. The pitch concept to Hollywood. of friending. What's happened is that obviously social networks have a lot going for them. I'm a big fan of them. I'm a big fan of, of the various things that they have brought about. Obviously, Facebook is evil for for innumerable reasons, um, but there are also many interesting things that have been brought about because of it. Um, the the concept of friend networks or trust networks has been fundamental to, to much of, say, public key, key cryptography, various things like that. So having networks of people, or like for P2P reasons or whatever, is a useful thing. The thing that, and in fact being able to establish connections between people is also a useful thing. But there's something about calling it friending and the implied connections and and the the contract that that it makes and because that contract has never been explicitly specified means that everybody has a different concept of what it means so and the worst thing about it is that you know we've had several hundreds of thousands of years of, of anthropological evolution where where we've our brains and our cultures have evolved ways of of dealing with each other and dealing with concepts of trust. And then over the past hundred years, they've been slowly or rapidly fucked over, if I may swear, we can bleep that. Um, They've been rapidly fucked over by um, things like broadcast media. And so like celebrity, right? The concept of celebrity is a total hack on the flaws in our... um, in our trust systems and our, you know, celebrity is, is a leftover aspect of fealty because it used to be, you know, hundreds of years ago, um, if you knew who somebody was, it was for two reasons. Either they were um, a blood relative or a friend, or they could have you killed. Either way, um, it was responsibility. And so celebrity uh, is, is an aspect of that in that we all know these people and therefore our brains go, oh, oh, they must be important, therefore we must have them as an important part of our lives. And now um, the trouble is that you know if we thought 100 years was, was a, a quick turnaround for a change, that's nothing compared to the daily basis on which uh, our concept of relationships with our peers is being completely reinvented by yet another bloody social network. Um, and it's the, the, the fact that um, there's so much confusion and so much continually evolving um, etiquette in these things. And it's not like, you know, this is the bizarre thing, is that we're having uh, these concepts of our relationships and, and, and the, the modus operandi, uh, or modi operandi even, this is the problem, of, um, uh, or is it, I don't know Latin, I've probably made a huge screw up there anyway um the 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 ways of working uh of our of our relationships um defined by people who let's face it silicon valley geeks when it comes to people who understand relationships not who you'd put at the top of your list um it's not like as as the, the, the line from there something about mary goes it's not like this was a well thought out plan um and so what we've got is something that that uh is a very binary 
uh, description of of something that is far more graduated. And I, you know, I want to be careful what I talk about this because there are. Export, experts far, far more smarter on this topic than myself, such as you know Dana Boyd or Sherry Turkle or, or Linda Stone or whoever, who have been who've written far more sensible stuff on this than me. And if you are at all interested, then go and read them first. Um, but it's having seen the, the, the carnage that this can wreak um, in terms of, especially you know people getting upset when they get unfriended or unfollowed on twitter um and it's and i'm not saying that there's any easy solution here the 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 binary aspect the simple nature of it is also what makes it work so well it's the fact that you don't have to think that hard but frankly you know human relationships deserve a bit of thought and at least uh, one of, you know i was thinking at least Flickr makes some attempt to get this right by having um various different concepts of like friend family and contact you know it's not exactly a a, a huge grayscale but it does at least give you different compartments whereas facebook just has friends now i I admire what the the way that some systems are going with like what diaspora and i think the new google system when it finally appears um which is currently i think going on working title google me or plus one or whatever um as, as of having different groups of people as opposed to to Facebook, which effectively all lumps it up into one. Um, but it's, you know, you just need to go to failbook.com. And I'm, I'm, I realize that I'm picking on Facebook an awful lot here, but let's face it, why shouldn't I? Um, <laughs> because they rule you used to work for first. Ning. <laughs> well, exactly. I used to work for Ning. But at least Ning, I mean, <sighs> you know. Ooh, raw, uh, raw nerve, perchance. <laughs> If if sorry, raw nerve, ning, touch, touch. Oh yeah, ah, oh, ning, gah, ah. So nurse the pills. Um, See, the thing here is, the thing here is, yeah. as we said before, putting something in has a ripple effect, and if you're yeah. suddenly to drop in the concept of friending, oh, we, I know, Web two point would fall apart. We would be back yes. to going. Here we go. If you want to find out about me, having you know. You have to have met me. You have to have somebody who told me, told you to find me online. You know, it would it, yep. would, it would return the business card to prominence, which which would kind of destroy a lot of people's plans on launching new applications at South by Southwest in three weeks' time. But I I, I don't know. See, because I, I like the idea of going back to that sort of, of knowledge of people. And, you know, it's like, okay, Charles Dickens was probably one of the first authors who was famous, but it... it you know, he still had that. He could still go friend and person who has read my book. You know, for yeah. example, Robert Scoble is just, oh, you're all people who've read my website. Um, right. Which, which, let's face it, is most of Silicon Valley, uh, apart mm-hmm. from possibly Julie Allison. Um, yep. There we go. Uh, you know, this this is a tough one because no, I... I am careful. I'm I'm right on the edge of this one. You know, I would love yeah. to put this in. Um, well, I think if I can just make it the the, the the thing that I'm arguing here for here is not the the, the removal of being able to make uh, declared connections between between people. I think that's vital, but it's this very binary on-off thing, along with this complete uh, lack of agreement on what it actually means. Yeah, you know, I'm still swithering, and, and I'm thinking back uh, to what you said, and I'm going to make you a deal. Okay. All right. Okay. I'm not going to put it in now. All right. Okay. But if you can transcribe 
what you said to describe it earlier and you can get somebody with a oh i don't know a peter jonesy kind of voice to read it to me <laughs> then it can go in okay <laughs> i see where you're going you cunning bastards <laughs> oh you Fine. you go back and listen to that what well, you will do when this podcast comes out and it's just such a peter jonesy explanation of the concept of friending thank you thank yeah. you i'm 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 very honoured. I'm very touched. Uh, so um, so okay. That's 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 staying out. Um, we're going to we're uh, going well. to we're going it's to just as well. I suppose. I mean, it's true. As you say, you know, it, it's a Pandora's box. It's been opened and it can never be closed again. Indeed, yes. Uh, unless it was to take Lady Gaga with it, in which case, fair trade. Yeah. Yours. Thank you for coming along. First of thank all, thank you, Ewan. Uh, you're taking away with you a copy of Deluxe Paint. Yay! The source code for Audio Galaxy. Uh, yay! <laughs> uh, and and in there, you're leaving Jotspot and the Scion Five keyboard. Um, but both I'm coming back for you. Don't forget me. <laughs> oh, and uh, and every single Vietnam movie script. There. Ricky Gervais in a Vietnam movie talking about the concept of friendship. I think mm-hmm. we have a winner in that as well. Uh, if mm. you think that as well, leave your comments back at the website room four hundred four dot thepodcastcorner dot com. You can drop me an email as well, Ewan at thepodcastcorner dot com as well. If you'd like to appear on the show, if you want to do that, you know, use the time to promote a new product or service that you have, and then talk to me for another forty minutes after it. We can arrange that as well. Bribery is one of those things that is never going into four hundred four. It will always be alive and well. Yours. Where can people find out more about what you're up to? Uh, that's a very good question. If only I may actually get my blog up to date, that'd be fine. You can uh, follow me on Twitter, which is the main place that my that, that I have enough of an attention span to actually produce output. Uh, just my Twitter name is Yoz, that's Y-O-Z. I currently uh, work as, uh, uh, well, my, my business card says Special Circumstances, which I'm amazed they let me get away with, uh, for Linden Lab, the Second Life people in San Francisco, where I've been for the past four years, uh, working on all kinds of bizarre things. So with 3Ds, script, uh, 3Ds, uh, 3Ds. Although, although 3Ds. your CV does have you done as technical lead senior integration architect. The, yeah, if, look, if you want the dry, dull version, <laughs> then fine. Look, what would you rather? Uh, cake. Um, yes, cake. Ah, oh, cake is cake is good. Cake, cake is, is good. Shall we go for cake? Cake. Yeah, I'll run the credits and music. We should go for cake, and we shall join all you next week for another guest coming in to bring out the spoils and the treasures in the lost and mysterious city of gold from Room Four Hundred Four. But only if they can remember to bring their Andy Crane song sheet. <laughs>